0: If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Daniel chapter 10. We wrap up our Daniel series here today, and uh, it's been an eight-week series. The last week we went through three chapters, this week also three chapters, and so we've been really, there's a lot of stuff that took place last week. When we went through Daniel 7 through 9, it was completely loaded. And guess what? This week is also completely loaded. So um, I do want to draw your attention to the handout that's in the bulletin. And if there's any ushers that uh, you could just make yourself available. If, If you did not get the insert or you do not have the insert that's in the bulletin, just simply lift up your hand. The ushers will come and find you and give you an insert. So just lift up your hand right now and they'll come right to you. And hook you up with the insert that is in the bulletin, okay. And so last week, if you have the insert, you'll notice that the Daniel nine regarding the seventy weeks and the prophecy that took place in Daniel nine verse twenty four through twenty seven, uh, that is uh, something that is kind of review, okay. So that, that's just for review purposes. And you'll notice that there's a couple things added in from Daniel eleven on that timeline, and we'll reference that a little bit during the message. Then on the back side, there's kind of a whole other section here. Um, The timeline last week said, more to come. Well, this is the more to come in regards to what we'll be talking about today. Uh, And so that's something we'll reference a little bit along the way. And I'm going to ask you, though, when we're taking time in the Word, I'm going to just ask you to set the timeline aside. Uh, Don't get sidetracked with that. We'll bring it out when it's time. And so uh, go ahead and set it aside now because we're going to start walking through Daniel 10, okay? So Daniel, and he's got another vision that happens, okay? In Daniel 10 verse 1, he actually lays that out. I'm just going to walk us through Daniel 10 and Daniel 11. And I'll kind of narrate along the way, also pull out some of the verses. And then when we get to chapter 12, I'm going to read all of Daniel. Uh, chapter 12. There's 13 verses there. And uh, so in verse 1, it says, In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events that were certain to happen in the future. It said times of war and great hardship. Now, Daniel didn't understand this vision other than the fact that he knew it had to do with the future, and it was a bit overwhelming. And the weight of this vision actually leads Daniel into this time of of mourning and grieving and seeking the Lord through fasting and prayer. In fact, this goes on for about a three-week period. Period. About 21 days or so, Daniel is grieving and he's he's seeking. And in verse 2 it says, When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine, crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. Now eventually, these two messengers show up. Heavenly messengers. And they're there to give an interpretation to the vision that Daniel had received. And it's interesting, the description of one of the first messengers that shows up, as you read it, there's a bit of you that's like, this almost seems like it could be Jesus. It's very interesting uh, when you look at that. And, um, you know, it's not for certain, we don't know that, but there is some speculation, was that Jesus that showed up and then he's also present, there's another heavenly being. We don't know if it's Gabriel or another angelic messenger, but there's a couple of them that show up to help Daniel, to minister to Daniel, because he's so overwhelmed by the vision, and then he's overwhelmed by the first messenger. Like he's just the, the amazing thing he's seeing, and he ends up basically falling down. Because it's so overwhelming. In fact, the earthly men who were with Daniel when he's having this encounter with the messenger, they decide to leave because they're a little overwhelmed. Now, they can't see it, but there's just something about it that they're like, okay, something's going on. We're, we're out of here. And uh, they ran away. Uh, So verse 8, it says, So I was left there all alone. This is Daniel. He said, And I see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the the man speak, and I heard the sound of his voice, and I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. So Daniel is just completely overwhelmed by this encounter with these heavenly beings. And these messengers don't just leave Daniel in this state of just being weak and frail. and They begin to minister to him. And you'll notice here in verse 10, it says, Then a hand touched me and lifted me. And he says, still trembling uh, to his hands and, and, and knees. And then it says, The man said to him, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. And it says, when he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. Okay, verse 14. Now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people. Your people being the people of Israel. And it says, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. So Daniel is strengthened again. In fact, the the first messenger, that maybe could be Jesus, we don't know for sure, but that messenger touches Daniel's lips. And then Daniel is able to speak. And when Daniel has a chance to speak, you know what he says? "I I can't hardly breathe. I mean, he is just so overwhelmed by what is happening. And then he's ministered to again. And then the vision is about to be explained. But before we get to that, I want to just point out something. Please notice the spiritual warfare that's going on while Daniel is seeking God for answers. I don't know if you notice this in verse 13. It says, during these 21 days when Daniel was seeking the Lord, it says, the spirit prince... Of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way, blocked this angelic being's way from tending to Daniel. Then it says, Then Michael, we know that's one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And so there's something going on in what we would call the spiritual realm that had prevented Daniel to receive the ministry. And then in verse 20 it says, he replied, he goes, do you know why I've come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, and after that the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. And meanwhile I'll tell you what's written in the book of truth, and no one helps me against these princes except Michael, your spirit prince. And you kind of wonder if Michael's representing Israel Here, the archangel Michael. And then if you go into verse 1 of chapter 11, this continues. It says, I have been standing beside Michael to support and strengthen him since the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. So when the Mede and Persian kingdom took over Babylon, there's stuff going on in the spiritual realm. And just hold on to that truth. Because I think there's times we just go through life and we have no idea what is going on in the spiritual realm and the kind of warfare that's taking place. And that this, this warfare that's being referenced here is actually, it's over cities, it's over nations and the kind of cosmic battle that's happening and there's this fasting that Daniel is going through and he's fasting for some kind of spiritual breakthrough. He needs God to help him understand this vision and it's not coming to him and so then daniel begins to fast and pray and seek the lord and as he's doing that he's looking for answers and eventually those answers come and i just want to pause here for a second just to help uh, maybe guide us on the topic of fasting i'll admit i am no expert in this area And perhaps maybe some of you have done some studying on fasting, but when we did that Freedom Quest workshop with Terry Baxter a couple weeks ago, I really appreciated how he taught through the topic of fasting. In fact, he references Isaiah 58 as a a template of where we can go to see why fasting is important okay in fact he breaks it down and says you know on his end there's there's 12 different fasts that that people can do and in daniel's case you you're fasting because of the spiritual warfare of it fasting because There's something you don't understand spiritually, and you're asking God to reveal more to you. And as you fast, if you look at Isaiah 58, what you're doing is you're breaking down the bondage or the things that the enemy is is blocking in your life. And if you want more on that, we have about 50 of these from Terry Baxter sitting back on the welcome desk if you would like to take that with you. But so Daniel's fasting and he's praying, and we see that he has help come to him to begin to understand the meaning of his vision. And then we look at Daniel 11. Okay. Last week we had a whole history lesson on Babylon, the Medes and the Persians, Greece, right? Then Rome, and then eventually there's going to be a new Rome with these ten nations that come together at the end times. And so we walked through that quite a bit. We also talked about Alexander the Great. We talked about Antiochus, Epiphanes. If you remember all of that, that was last week. If you're like, what is he talking about? Go back and listen to last week's message that's important as we continue. Because as the interpretation comes, you'll see there's some overlap here. So in Daniel 11, we begin to walk through some of the same things that will eventually happen in history. So in Daniel 11, verses 2 through 4, we get a description of the conflict that's going to take place between Medo-Persia and Greece. And we know that with Greece comes Alexander the Great, this amazing ruler that will conquer Medo-Persia. Remember the whole ram and the goat conflict in Daniel 8 last week, okay, this is coming out again, and Alexander the Great would be a young ruler, he would rise to power really quickly, but then he would also die at a very young age, around 33, and then his kingdom, Greece, was given to his four generals, okay, and these four generals, out of them, there are two of them by the name of Ptolemy and Seleucus. And Ptolemy would take the region of the south that would be south of Israel, also known as Egypt. And Seleucus would take the region of the north, north of Israel, which would be known as Syria. And there's going to be conflict going on between these two two kingdoms and and the successors that would come from Ptolemy and Seleucus. And this tension's going on and Israel is going to find itself caught in the middle of this because it's sort of like, well, to get to them, we got to go through Israel and all of this is going on. And you'll even see as this is being brought through here, as we read, you know, through verses 5 through 20, you're going to notice there's some moments where daughters are married off by some of these leaders of these nations, And they're being married off as a strategy of war. Like, well, I'll just give him my daughter and we'll make peace. Well, then that doesn't happen. The daughter gets killed. Well, then there's another attempt. Well, I'll just give him my daughter and then uh, she'll actually, she's going in with this divisive plan. And she'll overthrow it. And well, then the daughter falls in love and it doesn't work out the way the king hopes. In fact, one of those daughters mentioned is actually going to be Cleopatra. These are historical things. It's amazing the amount of precision that happens within the prophecy of Daniel 11. In fact, critics of the scriptures say, you know, that was actually written 400 years later. So that's why it's so precise. How many of you know the enemy likes to attack the word and whether or not we can trust God? It's like, oh, it's so accurate, it must have been written afterwards. No, how about this vision was true, Daniel put down these words, and they happened just as God said. And so we see that. Now, also what's going on, Israel gets a little bit involved in the conflict, but then it intensifies through Antiochus Epiphanes, which we talked about last week. But then, and that's in verses 21 through 35. Remember last week when I said Antiochus Epiphanes would be the foreshadow of the coming Antichrist? Okay? So with that in mind, there's actually a, a prophetic shift in one verse. So in verse 36 through 45, we're not talking about Antiochus anymore. Now we're talking about the coming Antichrist. And this transition kind of happens in verse 35, if you look with me. It says, some of the wise will fall victim to persecution. That is, persecution uh, of Antiochus. In this way, they will be refined and cleansed and made pure until the time of the end. For the appointed time, now we're talking about that 70th week, the appointed time is still to come. And then we shift into that here in verse 36. What's interesting, I had this explained to me one time by a Bible teacher, that when it comes to prophecy and the prophets of the Old Testament, when they shift gears like this in a matter of a verse, right, it can be very confusing. And it's like, well, why did they do? Everything was just rolling right along, and then boom, we hit that. And they said, imagine as they're looking forward and seeing these things, imagine like what they're seeing is like the mountain peaks off in a distance of of terrain, okay? And what they can see is the mountain peaks, but what they can't see is the valleys in between and the length of those valleys. They can just kind of see, well, that's going to happen, up and then that will happen and then that will happen. But there can be a span of several thousand years that can happen in between what they're seeing. And so that's what's going on here. And we see here in verses 36 through 45, it starts by saying the king, being the Antichrist, will exalt himself, claiming to be greater than every god, even blaspheming the god of gods. He will succeed, but only until the time of wrath is completed. For what has been determined will surely take place. So the Antichrist is waging war with surrounding nations, not just Israel. And eventually he'll be in Israel setting the stage for what is known as the Battle of Armageddon. So if you want, go ahead and and take out your timelines. This is the time. Go ahead and pull that out. We're on last week's timeline here, okay, where it talks about Daniel 9. And you'll notice that I've added... A little section in blue, Daniel eleven thirty six 36 through 45. That's the section of time we're looking at here in Daniel 11. Okay? And leading up to the battle of Armageddon, when Jerusalem will be surrounded. And the Bible talks about how Jesus, when he returns, he's going to step foot back down on the Mount of Olives. He ascended from the Mount of Olives. And if you remember, the disciples are all like looking up. Oh, wow. And then the angels are like, what are you doing? They said, he's ascended, and he will return, in which the same way he departed. He's going to come right back down to the Mount of Olives. And when he does that, it, it's it's happening when Israel is being surrounded, specifically near Jerusalem, and that the Antichrist is... Sort of set up camp. In fact, you'll see that in verses 44 and 45 of Daniel 11. It says, but the news from the east and the north will alarm him, the Antichrist, and he will set out in great anger to destroy and obliterate many. Verse 45, he will stop between the glorious holy mountain and the sea and will pitch his royal tents. But while he is there, his time will suddenly run out. Notice who's in control still through all of this. It says, and no one will help him. Okay, set the timeline to the side. Go into Daniel chapter 12. Okay? Daniel 12. It says, At that time, Michael, the archangel who stands guard over your nation, will arise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any. ...since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people, whose name is written in the book, will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever." But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. Then I, Daniel, looked and saw two two others standing on opposite banks of the river. One of them asked the man dressed in linen, who was now standing above the river, How long will it be until these shocking events are over? The man dressed in linen who was standing above the river river, raised both his hands toward heaven and took a solemn oath by the one who lives forever, saying, It will go on for a time, times, and a half of time. And so that would be the three and a half years. That's where that comes from. When the shattering of the holy people has finally come to an end, all these things will have happened. They'll have taken place. Verse 8, I heard what he said, but I did not understand what he meant. So I asked, how will all this finally end, my lord? Verse 9, but he said, go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. From the time the daily sacrifice is stopped and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshipped, there will be 1,290 days. And blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of 1,390. And thirty-five days, approximately three and a half years. As for you, go your way until the end. You will rest again, and then at the end of days you will rise again to receive the inheritance that is set aside for you. What a way to end the book of Daniel. Okay, as we walk through Daniel 12 here, I think it's also good to look at the timeline just to get a frame of reference of where some of these verses land. So if you will go to the other side now, to where it says Matthew 24, we'll get to that in a second. But I want us to just look at the timeline right now. You'll notice again the blue text that places some of Daniel 12 into these spots. Okay, I want to start with that kind of the green and the blue that's in the middle there. Last week I talked about the rapture, okay? And there's a couple things that will happen for those who are God's people after they rise. And one of the things that's discussed and listed in the Bible is something called the judgment seat of Christ. And it is where those who are in Christ will be judged for the things that they've done in their body. It won't be a, now, should you get into heaven, should you not? That's already been sealed and done when you put your faith in Christ. This judgment is what you've done with your life on this earth will then be rewarded, and you will be in charge of things in the kingdom of God. It's amazing. We're not all just going to float around for eternity. There's going to be things that we'll do in his kingdom. It's incredible. Remember the parable of the talents says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. Now I'm going to put you in charge of even more. Think of what Jesus is referring to. There's a judgment that will come and he will reward us and he'll say, now I'm going to put you in charge of more. Okay? So that's something that is to come for those who are God's people. And then there's also this celebration that's referred to as the marriage supper of the Lamb. And many people. Kind of remove the church, the, those who are in Christ, they remove them off of the, the earth because Jesus is referred to as the groom and the church is referred to as the bride. And they see the marriage supper being something where the groom comes to get his bride and then there's this celebration. And I mean, all of that makes sense to me. And I also know there's a variety of views on that. So when those happen, I just know that that's in my future, okay? But as far as like it'll happen right at the uh, pre tribulation rapture, that might be my personal conviction. But I also respect maybe where others might land on that. Of course, and I've got the respect of the mid tribulation, post tribulation on there. But as Daniel talks about rising and receiving his body, this is amazing. If you read. That passage in First Thessalonians 4 from the rapture, that's on the other side. We talked through that last week. It talks about how there are some people who won't experience death. Your body will be lifted from this earth and you will be transformed. You will receive your immortal body like that. And it says that those who are dead in Christ, they're going to rise first. So those who are God's people who have died, their spirit is in heaven right now. But at that moment, it says their bodies will be reunited with their spirit. And we who are alive will not go ahead of them, but we will be changed. We will be transformed. Isn't that an amazing thing? This is truth. Now, you're all looking at me like, whoa, okay. This is truth. You either believe that or you don't. I read that passage a lot at a graveside service. Because when we are laying our loved ones into the ground there's a feeling of just like emptiness that, that happens death has sting but there will be a day where death can be completely conquered and i look forward to that and it's coming here in our future and as you continue on you see that this resurrection that is spoken of in daniel 12:13 that's also part of that picture there it's incredible So one thing I wanted to do, though, is I said earlier in this kind of prophetic side what what, uh, Daniel is in the Old Testament, it's what Revelation is in the New Testament. And so there are passages in the book of Revelation that work with what we're seeing here as Daniel's laying that out. And so I've added a variety of things in there. I'm not going to cover all the bases right now as we're together, but this is for you to take home. Get into the Scriptures Seek the Lord in this, okay? And so when we know Jesus comes back, he brings all those that he's gathered who have risen up in the air and he brings them back down as he comes to the Mount of Olives when Jerusalem is surrounded by the enemy. And guess what happens? Jesus takes care of it all. Wipes out the enemy and then he sets up his kingdom here on this earth for a thousand years. And you'll notice one thing happens To kick it off, Satan is bound and he's thrown into the bottomless pit. And the Antichrist and the false prophet that seem to be just having their way with people during the Great Tribulation, the Bible says they're thrown into the lake of fire. And that's where they're at during the millennial reign. Now, here... The millennial reign goes on, but after a 1,000 years, Satan will be loosed. He will be let back out. He'll deceive. He'll have one final battle. And remember last week I said there's two different Gog and Magogs. This is where the second one comes in. And guess what? Guess who does all the work again on this one? Jesus. Jesus. And in that battle of Gog and Magog, Satan is defeated. And the Bible says that he is thrown in to the lake of fire. And he says it's also where the beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet are. And while that's all going on and, and, and the enemy is being completely defeated, there's something called the great white throne judgment. And it's everyone who is in opposition to God they will stand before the judge. And there's no second chances. And their fate is the lake of fire. They'll join Satan, the false prophet, the Antichrist. In fact, the Bible says that death and the grave, they they give up the dead and they're thrown into the lake of fire. Hell right now is a place of torment, also known as Hades or Sheol or the grave. On this day of the great white throne judgment, they will receive their resurrection, but it will be to eternal punishment in the lake of fire. But for those who are God's people, he's going to make all things new. New heaven, new earth, New Jerusalem coming down to this earth, and God's people will be to living together in his presence. It's going to be amazing. There's no more sin. There's no more death. There's no more crying. No more pain. All of these things gone, and there is all things new. You can read that in Revelation 21. lot to take in here. And I encourage you to read some of these passages in your own study. But if there's anything I want to just kind of look at here, it's to to, let's look at what Jesus had to say about this when he was on this earth. Because there was a moment where he was walking with his disciples, and as he's walking from the temple, he says, not a stone will be left here. And the disciples are like, whoa, will you please talk us through what you just said? The temple's kind of a big deal. And to just make that statement, we've got some questions here. And so, uh, Matthew 24, we'll actually go through it on the timeline. The passage is above that. But it's known as the Olivet Discourse, and it's because Jesus was on uh, the Mount of Olives giving this discussion. Olivet Discourse. They're wondering, after Jesus makes the comment, no stone will be left. It says in verse 3 of Matthew 24. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us when all this will happen. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? So there's actually three questions going on with that one verse. They want to know when's the temple going to be destroyed. They want to know when is Jesus coming back. And they want to know when the end is going to be. And you can read through Daniel 24 as Jesus answers those three questions. Verse 4, Jesus tells them, Don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah. And they will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But don't panic. Yes, these things must take place. But the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world. So that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. Verse 15. This is Jesus now quoting Jesus. Daniel, he says, the day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. You see how that fits? You know, Think thousands of years prior to Jesus saying that. Daniel has these visions. He's writing it down. And then when Jesus shows up, he affirms what Daniel has said. And you think about what Jesus is bringing out here. He says, all of this is the first of birth pains. Now, if you're a mother, you know what birth pains are like. I'm not even going to pretend to... Know what that's like. What I do know about birth pains is that as you're about to give birth, they become more and more frequent, correct? And don't they increase in pain as you're getting closer? Okay, so think about Jesus's illustration here. These are birth pains, and they're the start of birth pains with more to come. Look at all of these different things that He's saying are going to be happening. And you just got to sit here and go, okay, 2023, are there any birth pains happening right now? Now, last week I gave you the little map, you know, like you are here, remember that? okay? And I, I actually brought that out with the whole Gog and Magog prophecy that's in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Which, by the way, one of the countries that they think is listed in that, is the country of Turkey. And this last week, they're starting to get involved now. Not saying this is like dogmatic, but I'm just saying pay attention, okay? Next slide, we look at the birth pains that Jesus is describing. And as we consider all that is happening, you remember last week, one of the points of application was... Get your spiritual house in order. We are living in serious times. Are you ready? Are there people that you know and love that are ready? Let's get our house in order. The application for this week, I'm going to take a section from each chapter. The first one is this. I want you to to think about this. Yes, we're living in some pretty perilous times, but so was Daniel. And look at what God was telling him through his messengers. In Daniel 10, verse 11, Daniel 10, verse 19, it says, The man said to Daniel, You are very precious to God says it again in verse 19. You're very precious to God. I want you to consider how much you mean to God. There's a lot of evil that's going on in our world today. In the midst of that evil, the light of the gospel of Jesus is penetrating the darkness and the love of God is encountering people, even the most wicked of people. And God loves his people. He lavishes his love on us. And as we go through the things that are maybe unknown and a little bit scary and all of that, we know that God's love steadies us in the midst of all the chaos. Amen? Amen. Number two. Consider how much God means to you. This is a little bit of a thought-provoking question. And from chapter 11, verse 32, when Antiochus is attacking Israel and Jerusalem, it says he will flatter and win over those who have violated the covenant. There's an apostasy taking place. They're, they're, They're just worshiping pagan things and giving in to this pagan king. But the end of that verse says, but the people who know their God will be strong and will resist him. So when you think, how much does God mean to me? Another way to look at that is like, how well do I know my God? If God means a lot to me, then I'm pursuing him. He's important in my life. I love him. And when I love him, I mean, Jesus even said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. But before I even want to obey his commands, i got to love God. Is that love present in your heart, in your life? If you feel like it's not, you need to pray about that. How much does God mean to you? And how do you get to know God? Anyone? Crickets. His word. Open up your Bibles. That's how we get to know our God. And it says those who know their God, they will be strong and they will resist him. Then I love this verse that just, I think, brings an incredible amount of hope in the midst of the chaos. Our verse for this week As for you, Daniel, go your way till the end. You will rest and then at the end of the days you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. I know that I have a future. There's a resurrection that is going to take place and I'm going to be a part of it and And I'm going to get to be with the Lord forever and be in his kingdom forever. So come what may, right here and right now, I know that eternity with God awaits me. So with that in mind, this last point, make heavenly use of whatever time you have left in this life. The ISV translation says it this way. Now, as for you, Daniel, keep on going until the end. I like that. Keep on going. There's work to be done, there are people who need Jesus. And you don't show up to church to have your ears tickled and then you go out of here and just like back to life as usual and, oh, I wonder what's going to be on TV tonight and da-da-da-da-da. You come to be equipped to be filled up and to go out into the world and share Jesus with the people that need him. That's our call. Keep on going until the end. I don't know when the end is coming. I just know I'm supposed to keep going. We keep going. Eventually, I will rest. I will receive my reward at Resurrection Day. Until then, keep going. Make heavenly use. Of your time. That means you got to consider what are things in this life that I focus on that won't matter in heaven. Do some evaluation. What kingdom am I building? Am I building my own kingdom? Am I focused on the ways in the world and all of that stuff? Make heavenly use of whatever time you have left in this life. Would you pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this series in the book of Daniel. I thank you for the prophet Daniel, your prophet. This was a man you loved dearly. He was precious to you and there's truths about how your people are precious to you and I thank you that every single person listening right now is precious to you. You love them. Lord, you desire us to love you and pray that your spirit would seek our hearts is there any affection any kind of love that we have we have put before you could be an earthly relationship it could be success or our job it could be any of those things that aren't the creator Holy Spirit help us to lay those things down and to say sorry please forgive me for for loving other things besides my creator your word says that those who know you will be able to stand I pray we would seek you with all of our heart soul, mind and strength it's possible there's someone listening right now if I asked you the question do you know God you don't know how to answer that I want to tell you something with great conviction God desires for you to know him He wants a relationship with you. That relationship with him is separated by your sin. That sounds harsh, but it's the truth of the scriptures. The Bible says we're all sinners. We all fall short. We're all separated. But God brought an answer through his son, Jesus Christ. God sent his son to this earth. And he was perfect. And he lived a perfect life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for your sin. And he gave his life. He was crucified. But he rose from the dead, proving that he has the power over sin. And today he's inviting you. He says, come. Come and know me. If you desire to receive him today, you must repent of your sins and turn to God through faith in Christ. If you want to do that right now, pray with me in your heart and say, Jesus, I come to you. Please forgive me of my sin that separates me. Please cleanse me and make me new. I want to know you. I thank you today for this gift of salvation that comes by grace through faith in Jesus. And Father, for all of us listening, we look forward to the reality of heaven there's a promise there's a hope, there's a future for everyone who is in Christ we have eternal life I pray that the reality of that future affects the present in which we live there are people who need to know you, help us to go out and minister to these people Help us to to not isolate ourselves into a, a comfortable bubble, but help us to be stretched, maybe even brought out of our comfort zone to help someone come out of their life of sin and into a life with Jesus. I pray that your spirit would equip us. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.